Hi, this is Tom Field, Senior Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about adapting to the shifting threat in regulatory landscapes. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Renault Ross, his Chief Cybersecurity Business Strategist with Semantic America's Strategic Programs. Renault, thanks so much for joining me today. You bet, you bet. Renault, as you look at the threat landscape, what would you say is, a, is an accurate snapshot of the evolving threats as we head through the second half of 2017? Well, well Tom, if you, if you look at NATO, just considered cyber security to be the fifth domain. So it's not that there are so many bad guys out there. We just don't have enough good guys. Uh, cybersecurity is the, the hottest thing out there, and I, I want to say there are 300 to, to 500,000 jobs, and it's projected by year 2020 over, there will be over 1.2 to 1.4 million jobs. And, and Tom, if you take into account IoT and BYOD and bring your own network cloud, and list goes on, it really comes down to the folks defending these networks. And so, so Tom, I'll, I'll take you to the, a quick snapshot of the, the threat landscape, and this is in line with our ISTR, which is the Internet Security Threat Report. We just released our second 22nd uh, volume. It really talks about the, the zero-day vulnerability. So we continue to see those. In fact, there were 3,968 uh, zero-day vulnerabilities from application services and, and software. So, so the, the bad guys are, are still um, finding back, back doors into these various systems. The other thing is, if you look at the IoT devices, we notice on average time, it takes about two minutes to compromise an unprotected IoT device. So uh, pretty, pretty scary out there. I probably gave you a little bit more information than you asked for. <laughs> no, not at all. It's right in line with what we're looking for. And the follow-up to it is, given your assessment of the threat landscape, where do you see organizations most vulnerable to the threats you're focused upon? Honestly, I think it goes back to having a very strong user awareness program in place because no amount of software security can fix the person, right? You can, you can patch a system, but you can't patch a person. A case in point with North Korea, uh, an organization that, a country rather, that compromised various banks and they compromised them with a phishing uh, campaign. They were able to get in and plant back door where that they're able to steal an undisclosed amount of money and it's estimated that it's around 94 million dollars. Renault, at the same time that we're talking about threats, we know that organizations feel pressure from the shifting regulatory landscape. That could be conforming to GDPR in Europe or adopting the NIST cybersecurity framework. What types of pressures do you see them folding into? Yeah, and this is actually an area of passion. So again, I, I know we only have a, a limited amount of, of time, but your your listeners haven't t taken a look at the compliance for the EU General Data Protection Regulation. It may cost them their reputation, business opportunities, and a pretty pretty huge fines up to I want to say twenty million dollars of four percent of uh, of revenue. And so when you look at um, the risk management frameworks, such as the cybersecurity framework, and I've been doing this for roughly about 20 years as an IT and security professional, I am both pleased and happy that we have a condensed, uh, easy to follow framework 
that is technology neutral, but technology aware. So it doesn't tell you what type of technology to use, but rather a capability that aligns with a risk based off of the business model. So leveraging the cybersecurity framework is a great framework to not only align with uh, GDPR, but other regulatory compliance as well. So, so one of the things I wanted to, uh, to state is that the framework would allow an organization to tailor their existing tools to align with the business processes that would address some of the, the control gaps uh, from GDPR and many other ma mandates. And not only that, but it would allow them to have a cross-industry conversation. So instead of saying, I'm HIPAA and you have to uh, align with uh, HIPAA uh, uh, controls, it allows them to have a more generic uh, conversation around the five various areas that are called out as functions from being able to identify the business risk and controls that are in place to ensure that there's a, a business continu continuity capability in case something bad were to happen. Renaud, what are some of the successful strategies and solutions that you see organizations adopting to both counter threats and to conform to the shifting regulatory landscape? Well, I, I think I, you know, I touched on, on, on a few of them. Uh, strong security awareness program, I think that's one. Also using the cyber security framework as a guide to understand their gaps in terms of the security program, but also building out the, a strong security program by bringing together some silo security technologies and controls uh, in the sense of orchestration of services to identify user behavior or associated risk. So things like data loss prevention is a great tool. It identifies if someone tried to send confidential information outside the network or maybe to a USB. Uh, security event management systems are great at giving organizations an audit trail and firewalls and proxies can help protect their perimeter and internal systems. But you know, what if we, we were to bring all these systems together? Uh, because organizations forget about the privilege users where data loss happens. So take for example, we'll, we'll say John. I wanted to use Tom, but we'll say John. Uh, John is a contractor and he has privileged access. John usually works from 9 to 5 p.m. Uh, let's just say that John is now working from 9 to 7 p.m., right? So there, that two-hour difference would be a delta or risk indicator. And let's say John sends out files, typically 30 to 60 meg in file in his size to his personal uh, box account, Dropbox account, rather. Come to find out, John is actually leaving to start his own consulting company and stealing company data. So this is where the user behavior strategy and technology will come into play. And these are some of the strategies that I, I'm seeing organizations uh, employ. Alas, don't have a lot of time spent on this, but we'll touch on it, is around this thing called cloud and protecting Office 365 as many uh, organizations migrate to that hosted model. Uh, one of my colleagues says that anyone with an IT connection and a credit card is a CISO. <laughs> so looking at uh, ways to identify unauthorized data and applications that have public links. So 90% of our customers are looking at the, the cloud access security brokers technology to align the data protection strategies. Renaud, talk to me a few minutes about Symantec. 
But what are you doing to help your own customers to adapt to this shifting threat in regulatory landscape? Uh, you bet. You bet. We, we've had uh, some solid acquisitions, uh, particularly around the network with Blue Coat security technologies and various other capabilities such as web isolation. But I really think there are uh, five pillars, if you will, and I'll walk through those. So it really starts with helping our customers to understand the how. You know, how do I ensure compliance? How do I measure against the key risk indicators? So this would be the, the governance pillar and their capabilities, services, and controls semantic would bring to the table. Next, it's really about helping our customers with the who, right? So who's accessing my information? Are the my systems or my platform? So think about this as the information protection the information access pillar and things like two-factor authentication and web security would align within that particular pillar. But when we look at the third, it's all about protecting the information itself. So I gave you the example of John sending information outside of the network, and this is where your traditional uh, data loss prevention would sit as the watchguard ensuring that information isn't extricated outside the network or maybe sent to a USB. And then the other areas are protecting the infrastructure. And this is your traditional uh, threat vulnerability management program from protecting the operating systems. But Tom, to be honest with you, the vulnerability is in a lot of the third-party plugins. And then last, it's all about protecting the infrastructure and what I mentioned earlier, the cloud generation from putting multiple controls in place and from the endpoint to the gateway to the network, which is the traditional defense in depth, to uh, cloud access security brokers. And if you think about those pillars that I walked through, they're all supported and anchored by managed security services for rapid detection and also incident response. Because Tom, as you know, there are, there are three types of companies out there. You know, those that have been breached, those that will be breached, and those that don't know they've been breached. So so I hope I gave you enough information on that topic. Yeah, very much so, Renault. Yeah, we've covered a lot in this conversation, but as you look toward 2018 now, what are some of the trends that most have your attention? Yeah, honestly, um, I think as more organizations move their workloads to the cloud, uh, let's be honest, the adversary would be the biggest threat. So it's really a data-centric trend that we'll see to protecting our sensitive information in these hosted systems from defending, uh, defining, I should say, you know, what correct security controls are installed to data discovery and data classification. I think that's the beginning. And then it's on to really defending the data in the event that the information is exposed with traditional encryption, uh, something that's called tokenization, and that's basically substituting a real data for fake data, so if the bad guy has access to your data, actually it's useless because it's just tokens uh, to data masking. So if they're able to infiltrate a system, instead of seeing all the uh, the sensitive areas, there are certain areas that are blocked out. So we believe that cloud access security broker strategies would address many of these challenges and symptoms uh, from the conversation that I'm having with my customers, and the challenges that they're they're dealing with. Renaud, very good. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thanks so much. You bet, Tom. Thank you so much for the interview.
We've been talking about adapting to the shifting threat in the regulatory landscapes. I've been speaking with Renault Ross, Chief Cybersecurity Business Strategist with Symantec America's Strategic Programs. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.